Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Could you whisper in my ear the things you want to feel? I'll give you anything to feel it coming. Do you wake up on your own? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. I'm a Georgia Tech grad and a Louisville fan. He is Mike McDaniel. He's a Virginia Tech grad and a Notre Dame fan. Mike, first question, where would you rate Lamar Jackson amongst wide receivers in this year's draft class? Oh, my God. Freaking kill me. I have had <laughs> absolutely enough about the Lamar Jackson wide receiver talk. And, hey, Joey, maybe we'll be wrong and maybe he won't be a good quarterback in the NFL. And, you know, on the flip side, maybe he will be and all the scouts will be wrong. Uh, But I'm so sick of people talking about how he doesn't have the arm strength that Josh Allen does. I mean, Josh Allen throws at 90 yards. He's a freak. But Lamar Jackson throws it plenty far enough, 65 to 70 yards. That's plenty in the NFL. Um, Effortlessly. And completely effortlessly. And... He's one of the most athletic players I think I've ever seen. I don't know about you, uh, but that seems to be a consensus for people that have watched him. And, you know, people talking about, oh, well, he's not accurate enough to play quarterback at the NFL. I mean, Josh Allen at Wyoming playing in, what was it, the Mountain West, completed, what, 57% of his passes? And Lamar Jackson completed closer to 60% of his passes in the ACC, a much tougher conference defensively uh, that he faces. So... Uh, they're just making excuses to try to turn this kid into a wide receiver and box him in. Uh, let's see what he can do as a quarterback and then maybe consider the other options. And by the way, Jackson's completion rate was uh, hampered a little bit by wide receivers dropping the ball. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I don't understand this. It's not like we got a whole bunch of film on Lamar Jackson running routes in college and catching balls in traffic and, you know, blocking on the perimeter and doing any of that. I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious, you know, where his skills are and, I think as long as you don't treat him like he's, you know, the next Peyton Manning, like I think you're going to get a pretty good player. Like he's obviously a very different player. You know, he's, he's talented in ways that a lot of guys in ways that guys aren't. Um, there's a couple of ways that maybe he could have some room for improvement, but I don't think that means he's, you know, he's got to change a position to be successful in the NFL. I, I'm with you. It's ridiculous that I've heard people talking about that constantly. Guys like Bill Polian, Bill Polian, you're high. You are high if you think that he can't play NFL or can't play quarterback in the NFL. Hey, keep in mind, Joey, Bill Polian's the same guy who said like five years ago that he had a first round draft grade on Tom Brady. Like, no, nobody did, you know? Um, yeah, Bill, yeah. Polian, Bill Polian's a liar. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He said that Lamar Jackson is slight framed and short. Uh, Lamar Jackson is what, six, two and a half, 230 pounds, 225 pounds. I mean, it's like 215. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. And you can put on a little bit of weight and get to 225, right? So, like, if you're 6'2", 225, that's, that's plenty big enough to play in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there have been a couple of guys like that that have, have struggled size-wise, but they're, you know, about the same height, and they're talking 15, 20 pounds lighter. I mean, 
this is not an issue with Lamar. And you've also seen a couple times people getting called out on Twitter saying stuff, you know, oh, Lamar's kind of slight at 6'3", 215, and saying, oh, Josh Rosen's got a great frame at 6'2", 210, you know, or something like completely comparable and about the same thing. And it's it's great on one guy and it's awful on another. So Lamar Jackson is not accurate enough, but Josh Allen is plenty accurate enough. Like, yeah, what are we doing here? Yeah, <laughs> so I, I, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of it, but – in any case, Mike, one, one of the things that we should talk about, we are, it, it is March, Mark, Mike, more, more importantly than anything, this is March. This is March. I was about to say that. This is March. This is March. Um, and part of that is that we just came off the NFL Combine. Um, we got some results to talk through. Um, was there anybody in the, in the Combine that really jumped off the page to you from an ACC standpoint? Um, it looks like Lamar Jackson didn't really, uh, you know, participate in a whole lot of the events, but... Uh, was there another guy or two that really jumped off the page as, as doing any uh, really good things for their draft stock from the ACC? Uh, well, not to sound biased, but I think Tremaine Edmonds of Virginia Tech, uh, he tested really well. Uh, the kid's an absolute freak, not even 20 years old yet. Uh, he turns 20 in, a, in about a week or two. Uh, the kid is an absolute monster, you know, 6'4", 235, 240, um, ran, what was it, a 4'5", um, at the outside linebacker position. Uh, he can play in coverage, as we've seen. You saw him run through the drills, and he was extremely athletic, uh, showing off his athleticism there. He had a, I, I think it was a nine, it was a nine-yard broad jump, so it was like, I don't know, 37 or 38 inches, which is, I mean, that's that's plenty for a kid his size at linebacker. So, you know, I think he did wonders for his draft stock. Obviously, he was pretty highly thought of. Um when he decided to declare for the draft, uh, we knew he would be probably one of the first two or three linebackers taken. He might be the top linebacker taken at this point. Um, Bradley Chubb tested well. Bradley Chubb's going to be a top three or four pick, as we know, coming out of NC State, the defensive end position. So I think the defensive guys, it's always interesting to see them test. And then the one guy who's not an ACC player, Joey, but I think we have to mention him, is Shaquem Griffin um, out of Central Florida. Obviously, we know the story. He, you know, he had a deformed hand at birth, and then he told his mom, "Hey, I want to cut my hand. You know, I got to cut this deformed hand off. It's I, I'm sick of dealing with it." So he's basically running around with one hand and a nub on his right right arm or left arm left arm, I guess. Sorry, and he does he does 20 reps on the bench press and he runs a four three eight forty fastest time ever for a linebacker. So this kid, yeah, I mean this this kid is was a stud on the UCF defense. He wasn't even going to get an invite to the combine. He was a last second invitation, which is absurd to me. He goes in, he tests extremely well with the disability. I mean, he was doing the bench press with essentially one hand and then a prosthetic hand uh, to help him on the other side. Those 20 reps on the bench test really well. Uh, kid's an absolute freak. He's probably gonna be a third or fourth round pick. Uh, but he's obviously extremely athletic and good enough to play at the next level. It'll be interesting to see what team takes a chance on him. Man, I watched him quite a bit in the the USF game to end the year, the uh, the AAC championship game, and then in their uh, Peach Bowl game against Auburn. That kid freaking flies to the football. Um, he is athletic as all get out. He tackles really well. Uh, he is a, a, an absolute joy to watch play linebacker. He's a really good player. Um, it, I don't know how many interceptions you're looking for your linebackers to come down with. And maybe that's the downside is that he won't come down with those, but 
other than that, I mean, he can do the things that you're looking for from a linebacker. So I, I really hope the best for him in terms of an NFL future. He's a lot of fun to watch. He's a great player. Um, Mike, coming off the combine, I found on NFL.com a mock draft. What I want to do, there were five ACC players uh, rated, rated to go in the first round in this mock draft. Um, I want you to tell me who each player is, and then I will tell you rated and what team, and I want you to tell me if that's too high, too low, or about right. Is that fair? That is fair. All right. Uh, who's the first player you think in this? Bradley Chubb. Bradley Chubb. Number three to the Colts. Too high, too low, right, about right? About right, I would say. Colts need a pass rusher, too. Now, we don't need to dive like too deep into what each NFL team needs, but the Colts need a pass rusher. I think he fits the bill. I think so. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's a really talented guy. Um, a pretty old, well-developed guy. I mean, he was a he was a senior this year. He didn't didn't leave early, so I, I think that works. Uh, who's the next guy, Mike? Uh, could be one of two guys. Could be either Tremaine Edmonds or Derwin James. Tremaine Edmonds, number eleven to the Dolphins. Derwin James, number eighteen to the Seahawks. Edmonds, 11 to the Dolphins. Too high, too low, about right. It seems like it's about right from what I've been seeing. It seems like he's going anywhere from like the 8 to 15 range. So I think sitting right there at number 11, somewhere in the middle, sounds good to me. If anything, I would maybe lean a little too high. But, I mean, he was a pretty dynamite player at Virginia Tech, so I can't really complain about that. Uh, Derwin James, 18 to the Seahawks. Seems low to me. I feel like his draft stock would would have been a lot better if Florida State had a better year. Um, I think this is more of a product of the team not producing as well, because Derwin James before the year was a top two or three player in a lot of NFL mock drafts. And now he's sliding further down the draft board. Why? I, I mean, in my mind, anyway, it's because he was playing on a on a defense that really just underperformed this year and a team that underperformed as a whole. So I think it's probably a little bit too low for Derwin James, a guy who I think is a top 10 player. I'll tell you what, as a Falcons fan, I want no part of Derwin James being on another NFC contender, nope. especially like the Seahawks. He could go in there and replace an Earl Thomas or a yep. Cam Chancellor. Whew. That that would be uh, that would be nasty. Yep, that's a lateral uh, move, I feel like, because you, know, you get a guy who's going to be a rookie, obviously not as good as a guy like Earl Thomas or Cam Chancellor at the outset, but a guy who has the potential to be just as good in a couple of years. Well, yeah, and especially you look like a guy like Earl Thomas, who was you know kind of a big enforcer type. I mean, that's what Derwin James is. I mean, he he lined up as a pass rusher a couple of times at Florida State. Like he can play that role for sure. Very similar style. Two more guys, Mike. And by the way, one of them rated higher than Tremaine Edmonds. There's another ACC player in the top ten that you haven't mentioned yet. Oh man, um, help me out, Joey. Can you guess either of the other two in the top 25? Well, uh, I would say Lamar Jackson should be in there somewhere. Um, Lamar Jackson, number eight to the Cardinals. Wow. Uh, Wow. So do they have him as a top? I mean, I don't have the list in front of me, but is he like one of the first quarterbacks off the board? I actually don't think so. I've closed out the link, and it's going to be hard to pull it back up, but – I think he's behind guys like Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, uh, uh, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold. I think he's the fifth quarterback off the board, and he's number eight. So, they're gonna have, so they got so they got five quarterbacks going in the top eight potentially in this. If, if I'm remembering that correctly, I think they had Barkley to the Browns. Um, 
Yeah, they had a couple of – obviously, they had Bradley Chubb to the Colts, but I believe at number eight, he might be – he's at least the fourth quarterback off the board, I believe. Yep. Wow. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, rating quarterbacks is an exact science. Um, you know my thoughts on Baker Mayfield. I think he's outstanding. Um, I think he's the most accurate passer in this draft. I'd, I'd draft Baker Mayfield pretty high. I'd draft Lamar Jackson high and get him into the right situation behind maybe a veteran quarterback that has a couple years left. Um, the problem is there are only so many scenarios that play out at the top of the draft where that's even an option. Uh, most of them come from like the Saints with Breeze or the Patriots with Tom Brady. Uh, but, you know, you get him into a set situation with Lamar Jackson, and I think that would be ideal for him and his skill set. That way he has some time to mature in the system and you know, kind of understand what it means to be an NFL quarterback. I think that's the ideal scenario for him coming out as, you know, a, a prospect that's not that that's that's been heralded, obviously, in college, winning a Heisman Trophy and being an all ACC quarterback, but, you know, maybe not as highly rated. And he's kind of been, you know, dragged through the mud a little bit here throughout the draft process. So I think getting into a situation like that would be great for him. I, the thing that, that I've heard about Lamar Jackson that I completely agree with is that he could be the absolute best quarterback in this draft and a kind of, a, again, a generational talent in the way that we've talked about him at Louisville. He could also be a guy like a Vince Young that is talked about that way and just totally flops, you know, after a few years in the NFL and would be a total waste of a top 10 pick. So yeah, I'm a Cardinal fan. I'm a Lamar Jackson fan. I'm going to say that number eight is too high for him. I, I think that I, I think my, my opinion is that he – is an appropriate value spot if you take him somewhere in the back half of the first round through the first half, if not the entirety of the second round. I think he's somewhere in that 17 to 64 range if you're uh, if you're not reaching for him. Wide range, I like it. Also, you mentioned being a Cardinals fan, and that triggered my memory on another guy who should be in the top 15, Jair Alexander. He's got to be up there. Close. He's actually the number six ACC player on the board, but he's all the way down at 47. Wow. Uh, there's one more, actually, at number 25 of the Titans. Harold Landry out of Boston College. Nice. Pass rusher. Nice. Too really high, too there. low? Uh, no, that's I mean, that's about right. I think late first round for, for Landry is an appropriate position. I mean, you know, in a league that, you know, when you need pass rushers more than anything in the world right now, just because so many teams are just throwing the football, throwing the football, throwing the football. Um, you know, the more pass rushers, the better. Take some pressure off your secondary, and I think Bradley Chubb there in the back half of the first round would be a good investment for a team that's in need of pass rusher. Yeah, he, I mean, he was a guy that his 2016 eclipsed his 2017 season. Um, he had like 16 and a half sacks in 2016. Absurd. Uh, managed a mere 11 sacks, I think, in 2017. So What a drop. Uh, yeah, what a disappointment. Um, he is. He's a fantastic pass rusher. Um, I, I think that, that end of the first round spot sounds about right for him. Um, I, I think that's a good fit. Mike, anything else on the NFL Combine? You get to move on. I'm good, I think. Let's do it. As long as, as we've promised for a long, long time, Mike, we got a couple of emails from Andrew Parker a couple of months ago. Um, one of them we've already kind of talked about. We've got another one to discuss. Uh, this, First of all, the subject of this email, this is the longest email address I've ever typed. That's perfectly <laughs> on brand. Yeah. Perfectly on brand. Uh, appreciate that. So Andrew writes us this. Um, 
was reading this article from fbsschedules.com about how permanent cross-division rivalries aren't fair. And while I agree that it would be better if fans saw more of the other teams in the conference, I think the real answer for the ACC would be shuffling out of or shuffling some of these permanent rivalries as it would even out the level of play and match certain similar-minded fan bases against each other. My way of fixing these would be for Pittsburgh, Boston College, Virginia Tech, Virginia, Syracuse, and Louisville to all switch who their permanent rivalry is. So instead of Pittsburgh and Syracuse, Virginia Tech and Boston College, and uh, Virginia and Louisville, you would have Virginia and Syracuse, Virginia Tech and Louisville, and Boston College and Pittsburgh. What are your thoughts? Do you see this bettering the conference? Uh, Mike, what, first of all, what are your thoughts on this whole issue? Do we need to rearrange the permanent rivalries in the ACC? See, you and I have two completely different takes on this, I think, because on one hand, you got Tech, right? Virginia Tech, and every year they play Boston College. <coughs> Sorry, I'm sneezing. Every year they play Boston College. I'm how long has it been since? How long has it been since Virginia Tech lost that game? Oh, man, um, a while. I'm trying to think back, I don't think they lost it once in the four years I was in school, and they haven't lost it since then. So it's been at least six years, and I don't believe. I mean, maybe since the Matt Ryan game, uh, when BC was number two, that would be, man, two thousand. Seven? Seven, right? That's like ten years yeah, ago. <laughs> ten years. I mean, you and I said at the same time, yeah, two thousand seven. So, I mean, it's been a while. I'm always guaranteed a mid-October snoozer against Boston College. Um, not that Virginia. I mean, Virginia Tech always wins the game, but like, it's a boring game each and every year. Always boring. Uh, this year was no. This past year was no exception. Uh, so I'm always guaranteed one of those, and I would like to see more competitive games with Tech playing a team like Clemson because I was there and the atmosphere was insane. And I much prefer seeing my school play in big games on national TV, college game day, the whole bit. I'd prefer that, um, aside from whether they win or lose the game. I'd rather play that game than play against Boston College every year in mid-October and know what the outcome is. It's nice to have a guaranteed win on the schedule, but I'd also like to play in bigger games and primetime games and see my school uh, be in those situations and, and in those moments. Uh, and then in your case, from somebody who went to Georgia Tech as an alum and you play Clemson every year, basically wanting the scenario that I want, you would love nothing more than to get Clemson off your schedule. And so it's like the complete opposite. We both want a schedule change. I would like to see Clemson or Florida State more often. You would like to see i don't know somebody like boston college more often so it's mm -hmm. just, it's very interesting how it plays out depending on what your school is i think it would be good for the conference to mix things up and take those two examples aside um and you see virginia tech play a louisville or um you know a school like that in in the acc atlantic more often i think that would be interesting for the conference just to see matchups that you wouldn't ordinarily see year in and year out yeah, I think one of the things that gets me is that we haven't changed these rivalries at all um, since, what, 2004? Um, I mean, when the, when the conference expanded to 12 in 2004, adding, if I remember correctly, Virginia Tech, Miami, and Boston College, 
ever since then, it's basically been the same stuff. They added Pittsburgh and Syracuse. Well, now they're divisional rivals or cross-divisional rivals. They lost Maryland and added in Louisville, and Louisville just took Maryland's place, you know, playing against Virginia every year. Um, and so we haven't addressed this thing, even as the, the tides of power have changed drastically through the entire thing. Um, I mean, to some degree, yes, there are also these classic rivalries. Like, you wouldn't want to get rid of a Florida State in Miami. You wouldn't want to get rid of Georgia Tech Clemson entirely uh, from a rivalry standpoint. Now, again, as a Georgia Tech guy, I'm fine if I don't have to play the team that's been in the playoff the last three years in a row. Like, uh, you know, so there's there's pluses and minuses to all of it. Um, we've, we've talked about this to a certain degree before, Mike, and one of the things that always comes to my mind, and um, I, I've told you that I think my favorite podcast that I listen to personally is Podcast Ain't Played Nobody, uh, where in particular Bill Conley, who runs the S&P Plus analytics system for SB Nation, he talks about this whole pods method that he's devised that basically rather than having two divisions in a conference, you break it down into four pods. Um, and so even in a 14 team conference, you would have a four, a couple of 14 pods and a couple of three team pods, but it's, it's very easy from there to devise a schedule wherein you, you play everybody in your conference home and away in four years. Um, like that kind of thing, even if that's even if you have to get rid of a, a classic rivalry, you're still getting it every two years. Like it's not like it's a, a once in a blue moon, you know, whenever the stars align kind of thing. Like it's just an every other year kind of deal. So something like that would be more fair. I mean, it would give more exposure to the entire conference, you know, amongst itself. Um you know, Louisville's been in the conference now a, a few years. Georgia Tech's going to be playing them for the first time this coming fall. Like, and they won't play them again for six years after that. Like, that, that's that's the kind of thing that I don't know how much it makes sense as we've kind of gotten bigger conferences and, you know, I, I don't know. That, that's To me, that's a good solution here is, is something that's more flexible and allows for more cross-divisional play without a, a real stringent, you know, um, hard and fast schedule if you will yeah i mean with virginia tech it seems to always be wake forest and boston college um this year being the exception with the Hokies getting clemson instead of wake forest i would like to see a team like louisville a team like nc state uh florida state clemson i'd like to see those kind of teams more often just to be in the spot now virginia tech this coming season they open up with florida state they have they have notre dame coming to town um as you know the bonafide extra ACC game this year. Uh, and then they, they do, of course, have Boston College like they do every year. So, you know, the Hokies, because of the way the schedule's fallen, they had Clemson this past year. They're getting Florida State. So it's still kind of happening that way. But I'm with you. I mean, I I don't want to get rid of these great rivalries. The Florida State-Miami game, for example. I, I You know, I love... Um, I like seeing. I still like seeing Clemson play Georgia Tech. I like to see how Georgia Tech matches up because it's such a clash of styles. The way the two teams are currently constituted, so I still enjoy watching those games. But I'm with you. It's it's a give and take. But I wouldn't mind seeing things uh, being shaken up a little bit because, like you mentioned, I mean, we really haven't had a change to this thing really since 2004 when a lot of these teams started entering the ACC. All right. So let, let's put it this way, Mike. If it just so happened that we we had to leave this whole model the way that it were. And we had to change up a couple of these rivalries. You know, you're, 
you were ACC commissioner for a day, and in fact, if it's you or John Swafford, I'll vote for you every time. But, um, <laughs> but okay, so let's say that you have the power to change up these rivalries, you know, just with a, a flick of your magic wand. Are you making changes? And if so, what changes would you want to make? I'll tell you the change I'm making. I'm sick of watching my school. I'm just going to keep using Virginia Tech as the example. I'm sick of watching my school play like an FCS school and a low-level FBS school as part of the non-conference schedule and then playing like East Carolina or someone like that and, and being like 5-0 and through mid-October before we actually get tested. I would love to see the ACC force teams to remove one of those non-conference cupcake games and add another conference game because then you could then then you're not taking away anything you don't have to dump the cross-divisional rivalries you could just add a conference game against somebody in the other division and i don't think it would mess things up as much as people think um as far as conference records and things of that sort are concerned uh, i think it would add intrigue to conference play i think that uh, games would begin to matter earlier on in the season on a more consistent basis. There's always the one-off where like this upcoming season, Virginia Tech plays Florida State in a conference game early in the year. Um, so there's always the one-off scenario, but ordinarily you do not see a lot of conference games happening early in the, early in the football season. Um, you know, Georgia Tech played BC a few years ago in Ireland. That's another one-off example of an early season conference game. But we really don't see a lot of conference action happen until October sometime. And it would be awesome for these schools that are playing these cupcakes. I understand you need like a warm-up game, but you're, you don't need two of them. And I see Virginia Tech scheduling two of them more often than not, playing like ODU and then like a bad East Carolina team or ODU and um, I've seen Arkansas State or App State on the schedule. It would be great to see an extra ACC game in place of one of those extra non-conference games because this is currently constituted as generally – um, you know, four non-conference games generally, and then uh, seven to eight conference games in the schedule. I think adding an additional game cross-division-wise would be awesome for the conference. I think as I think about this, I, I just had a, I had, you know, I've been thinking about this for a while, and I don't know why it just now occurred to me. What I might do if I were the commissioner is, and I, I mean, this would be some chaos, and people would be mad about losing you know, the, the, the tra classic rivalries and all that, but it would, it would help to mix things up at the very least is there is an element of NFL scheduling that says that um, the following year you play all the teams that finish at the same spot in your division that you finished in. So imagine if, you know, the, the Falcons finished second or no, they finished third in the NFC South this past year. So let's say the Detroit Lions finish third in the NFC North. Automatically, the Falcons will play the Lions the following year. You could do the kind of the same thing with the first place in the Coastal team will play the first place team in the you know the Atlantic. Um, you basically have a rematch of the championship game. You have number two against number two, number three against number three, et cetera. And at the very least, I mean, what that avoids is these long-term total power imbalances, you know, that end up with. Clemson getting something that would compare to a, a bye week, you know, in there against Georgia Tech and, um, you know, th those kinds of things you'd be avoiding. Um, now, you can't always – that wouldn't be perfect because sometimes you're going to run into where UNC and NC State are a highly competitive rivalry, as it seems right now. 
But at one year, you know, UNC gets a whole bunch of injuries, graduates a bunch of seniors, and next thing you know, they're kind of useless on the field. And so NC State is going to get their occasional bye week on that game. Um, so you're, you're going to run into some things like that. You're going to have tr- trouble, um, you know, uh, uh, preserving these these typical rivalries. But at the very least, it would be something to mix it up. It would be something different. And, uh, you know, it would be something to, to kind of – I don't know, get some different teams involved with each other, you know, rather than just waiting six years to play everyone in the Atlantic. It's not Clemson if you're Georgia Tech. Yeah, uh, I I like that idea. I think that's that's clever. I think going with an NFL model would be cool. And if we don't do that, let's take away the BS non-conference game that nobody watches and everybody leaves in the second quarter. Uh, and let's add another cross-divisional conference game. And then that way, hey, Georgia Tech, you still get Clemson and insert another team here but you also get a team like i don't know nc state randomly or louisville or florida state and then you all of a sudden have a really really competitive schedule and it would be great for the game it'd be great for the conference i think to see something like that mike one more big thing i want to cover if you're good to move on i'm good yeah i'm good ESPN's Mark Schlebaugh released a way too early top 25. This has been almost a month ago now. It was February 12th. Uh, we did not cover this last time. I think we intended to, and uh, it's time that we do so. So we're going to do the same thing we did with the uh, the NFL mock draft, and I'm going to read off NFL or uh, ACC teams in the top 25 of this way too early top 25. I want you to tell me too high, too low, or just right. Cool? Let's do it. Let's do it. Clemson at number one overall. Just right. Best team in the country next year. I think that's about just right. That That is a filthy – like, you're making the playoff and you're bringing back 15 starters? That is ridiculous. And they got an amazing, just absolutely amazing recruiting class coming in too. So this is, yeah. this is exactly where you want to be. Yeah, they, they sure do. Uh, number eight, Miami. Uh, I would say just right, uh, but – you know, Miami, like Clemson, they got to figure out quarterback. Uh, I think Miami's quarterback situation is a lot more tepid than uh, Clemson's is. I mean, Clemson's Kelly Bryan, I think, is better than Miami's Malik Rozier if we're keeping the same quarterback situation from last year. I think that's too high on Miami. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe they put it all together next year in a way that we didn't totally see them consistently do this year. But the way that they skated by in a couple of games this year, I just don't know if I don't know if they're going to have the, the, the consistency needed to run another top 10 season, you know, especially if we've seen a couple signs recently that Malik Rozier might have the inside job, you know, on being the, uh, the starting quarterback next he's, year. And if that happens, he stinks. I mean, he's he not, does. yeah, he's not that good. Number 15, your Virginia tech Hokies, Mike. I think it's too high. Um, they have to replace a ton of starters on defense, and the offense really struggled the second half of the season. They're losing Cam Phillips, a leading receiver. Uh, Trayvon McMillan, one of the key running backs off the roster as well. Um, I don't know who the playmakers are going to be on the offense. That kind of remains to be seen. And when you have to replace Terrell Edmonds, Tremaine Edmonds, Greg Stroman, Brandon Faison, just to name a few, out of the secondary, plus Tim Settle up front, Andrew Matua-Puaka, middle linebacker. There's a lot there to replace on the defensive side of the ball, and I, I think a lot of uh, the Hokies are getting a lot of hype, and I, I love to see it as a fan and as an alum, but I think it's too high. 
I think I agree too high. I don't think that they belong outside of the top twenty-five, though. I don't. Oh, um, I don't. I don't either. I I don't either. Um, even replacing seven starters on defense, like I trust Bud Foster with that unit. And I mean, I think if the offense can build on what they did this year, I think that the defense will be just fine, and they'll be a pretty pretty formidable team. They're a top twenty-five team. I just think fifteen is a little little strong. I would agree. Number eighteen, Florida State, in year one under uh, Willie Taggart. Uh, I'm gonna say too high, actually. Uh, they have to, again replacing a lot of starters on on both sides of the ball. Um, we don't know what DeAndre Francois is going to be coming back from his injury. Uh, hopefully, he's as good as he was before his injury. Uh, that would be a big help. But I mean, you got complete roster turnover, uh, complete coaching turnover, uh, staff changes. A tough schedule. Ah, man, there's a lot going on there. I think Florida State's too high. I think it's a little high as well. I'm, I'm a little curious just to see how what they have there personnel-wise will work with what Willie Taggart's going to want to do. And for what it's worth, I mean, what he was doing at Oregon and what he was doing at the end of his tenure at USF is very different than what he did at the beginning of USF and back when he had a lot of success at Western Kentucky. So. He's a guy that's clearly, you know, smart and can put it together and figure out, you know, what's going to work with the pieces. I just question if he can make it all happen in year one, um, you know, at least in the way that he started to at Oregon. I, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, and then at the uh, the lack of having any more ACC teams in the top 25, Mike, number 21, you're Notre Dame fighting Irish. Oh, uh, man. This is an interesting one because they had it, they're another team that was really good all year and had iffy quarterback play. I feel like that was a theme, right? Um, the quarterback class for college football this year, as it pertained to the college game, we're not talking about the NFL draft or any of that, but strictly the college game, the quarterback class this year was pretty weak. It was really the year of the running back. Um, Notre Dame was another one of those teams, and they lose Josh Adams. He's moving on to the NFL. Equinemius St. Brown, their leading receiver, onto the NFL. They rotated quarterbacks with Ian Book and Brandon Wimbush. Um, the defense is going to be pretty good next year. I think they're returning nine or ten starters, so that's they're pretty loaded. But they have questions at quarterback. I think this is probably about right for Notre Dame. I think they're going to have a really competitive team next year, uh, but there are question marks on both sides they have to replace, especially on the offensive line, too. I I can't end this without mentioning McGlinchey and Nelson, who are going to be two top top twenty or top twenty-five draft picks on on the offensive line. So you you got to replace that too. So a lot to replace, a lot of key players to replace. But they're returning so much on a defense that really improved last year that you know I have to think that they'll have an opportunity to improve upon their ranking there um, in the top twenty-five. I'm more concerned about them losing Mike Elko than anything. Yes, yeah, that's, that's a fair point. Uh, to Texas A&M. Yeah, that's fair. I think if Mike Elko's coming back, I'm I'm feeling really strong about the Irish next year. And even with them not, I would I still kind of have a feeling that 21 is too low. I think that they might be like a top 15, maybe borderline top 10 caliber team next year. So um, something to consider. Anybody that sticks out in your mind, Mike, that is really egregiously missing from this list that you think is going to be a top 25 team from the ACC? Not not really um not really not the outset uh you can make an argument for georgia tech i guess they have a lot of returning production on both sides of the ball but as usual it's like a wait and see um 
you know, I think Georgia Tech's a lot like Notre Dame this past year, right? Like, um, Notre Dame two years ago, they went four and eight, but how many games did they lose by seven points or less, right? It felt like it was the same thing with Georgia Tech this year. They were just like so close to being like nine and three or 10 and two, and they end up missing a bowl game instead. It's pretty wild how that works. Yeah, I, I, I would have told you, and I, I, have, I have told you, I mean, Georgia Tech was an eight and three team that found their way to a five and six finish. Like, so, you know, for what that's worth, but I, I would agree with you. I, I think I could. I won't argue that there's a reason today to put Georgia Tech in some top 25 for next year. Um, but if, if you told me that we're going to come up on conference championship weekend and Georgia Tech's going to be like a top 20 team, I wouldn't be that shocked. Um, their offense was pretty effective this year. They bring back most of the pieces for next year. And the defense, it seems like they've got the pieces there and hopefully a, a different scheme is all that they need to be a lot more effective there. Um, I, I imagine with a, a, a more aggressive scheme top to bottom next year, it's just going to be a lot more feast or famine for the defense. But you don't need a whole lot more feast to really you know, let the offense do its thing and, and convert some wins. So I think Georgia Tech could be an option. I've heard people talk about Pitt, too, someone that could, could bounce back. UNC is a team that is bringing back a lot of experience. But I, I kind of need to see it from both of them so far. Yep. Both teams are pretty young. I mean, Kenny Pickett, a quarterback for Pitt, young. Mm-hmm. North Carolina and their rotation of quarterbacks um, and everything else, they're young. Yeah. Um, I hate to circle back, Joey, one more quick thing. I'm looking at Notre Dame's schedule. They're on the road next year at Virginia Tech, at Northwestern, at USC. Home games against Michigan, Stanford, and Florida State. Hmm. Uh, challenging a little bit of a challenging schedule um, but then you think about a little bit Florida State's obviously replacing a lot of talent Michigan still doesn't have a quarterback um, Stanford should be pretty good but then you look at a team like USC replacing a quarterback you know might be the JT Daniel show as a true freshman we'll see Northwestern you know they are what they are and Virginia Tech and Blacksburg is that's a really tough place to play so it's not an easy slate for Notre Dame without Mike Elko, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think they've got the talent in place to get it all done. It's more you've got six very easily losable games, like losable to the point that you wouldn't have to explain away why you lost it. It's just they're good teams. Um, so let's we'll see. Mike, what else? Anything? What's going on? What's going on with you? You've been busy? Uh, worked my ass off. Mm. Yeah. So, Tis the season. Something like yeah, something like that. Um, yeah, working, living the dream, Joey, as I like to say. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm up to. Where are you up to? Same. Uh, running myself into the ground with work. Um, trying to trying to keep my head on straight. Um, March down here in Houston is rodeo month. So the Houston livestock show and rodeo goes on all month. And so we have uh, friends coming into town every weekend to come and uh, view some bull riding and cattle roping and all the good, you know, Texas sounding stuff that goes on down here. Plus there's concerts afterwards too, which is kind of neat. Yeah. We sit here recording this the evening of March 6th. Um, I am currently, uh, less than 48 hours away from being in Chicago for the weekend, uh, where I will be uh, celebrating the end of one of my coworkers' bachelorhood. 
Uh, we will be. Taste the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, except it's going to max out at like 41 degrees while I'm there, so that's going to be fun. Um, yeah, dilly dilly. I um, no, we're going to be uh, drinking and eating and exploring and all the good stuff, preferably mostly inside. So um, we'll see how that goes. Um, staying in Wrigleyville too. So if y'all have like food or beer or any of that recommendations, like hit me up. I am. I am not a native Chicagoan, so um, if, if you got things that you think I should go do, please let me know. I uh, would be uh, happy to show a, a, a last-time bachelor around. Dope. Chicago's yeah. cool, man. Chicago's cool. Been there a few times. Make sure to go see the Bean, like in the middle of that park. Uh, make sure you do that. I mean, I know it'll be cold as hell, but uh, that's like a touristy thing to do there for sure. That's what I've heard. I've heard that the bean is good. I've been actually once before. Um, I go on this summer baseball boys trip every year. And a couple of years ago, we went to Wrigley and Tax Slayer Park or whatever the hell this, the White Sox right. field is called these days. Right. Used to be Comiskey and then was like U.S. Cellular and then was uh, who knows. But anyways, um, both really good ballparks uh, were a lot of fun. Chicago is a really cool town. Um, but yeah, the bean sounds like a good time. We'll have to figure out some other stuff we can do in between all the bars that we're going to. And uh, to bars. bars are good. Yeah. Bars are very good. Good sports down, as you know. So mm-hmm. should be good. Yeah. We had a, we had a good bar experience while we were there. So I look forward to, uh, redoing that. Definitely. Mike, anything else before we get out of here? I think we're good. I think we're good. We promised you guys that, you know, we'd be recording mm-hmm. on regularly. So we took a couple weeks off, but. Back in the saddle here with a podcast. It's it's not much. We scraped out. I don't know how long this has gone now, Joey, but we've gone probably about forty minutes. So we're giving you all the content. We got forty minutes of content for you here in the middle of March, only here on the Basketball Conference podcast. So it's something. Yeah, it's something. It's something. So stay tuned. Uh, All right. So we are going to. uh, take another you know break here for i don't know a couple days or a week or two or more i don't know we'll see in the meantime y'all can go find us on twitter i am at ftrs joey he is at mike mcdaniel cfb i remembered and uh we are together at bc podcast acc uh y'all can send us an email to the longest email address known to man basketball conference podcast at gmail.com nailed it again no yeah, it's, it's riding a bike, Mike. Riding a bike. Riding a bike. That's right. Uh, go find us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, the Overcast app, uh, or wherever fine podcasts are sold for free. And Mike, tell them where else they can find us in the social medias. Facebook. Facebook.com slash basketball conference. Go check us out there. I always say to rate and review our podcast there. Make sure you do that. But rate us on iTunes. Give us a mm-hmm. review on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you listen to us. Go Absolutely. Please do that. Please, please, please. Also, go check out Mike's site, SaturdayInCFB.com. Uh, Mike, you can also find us on YouTube, by the way. We're posting these videos up there. Uh, that we are. Yeah, so if you ever want to come and like see what we look like as we do this podcast, I don't, I don't know why you would, but go check it out. Uh, Mike, I think that's all I got. Pretty good, though. Yeah, solid. Yep, solid. We'll do something. Absolutely, yeah. I'm proud of this mid-March effort that we're putting in here. Yeah, we tried. It's something. That's the off-season theme. It it's something. It's something. And Mike, more importantly, 
This is March. This is March. Hey, September's not that far away, guys. We only got like six more months. Hell yeah, we're halfway there. I think that's what that means, right? Uh, sort of. <laughs> sort of. Yeah, you're damn right, sort of. Fire up the DVR, go watch old college football games, and that's what we have to do these days, I guess, to get through it. Or we could do what you do. We, you know, drink some beer. Oh, don't, don't tell my secrets, Mike. I, I won't. I won't spoil your secrets. Where I was like a true degenerate and fired up NCAA football 13 on the computer sim versus computer sim, and just sat back and drank beer and watched the computer play itself and college football and cheered on one team. Don't do that. That's not good for your health. You didn't bet on that game, did you? <laughs> How could this get worse? Taking the fifth. Taking the fifth. <laughs> Mike, this has been fun. Let's come back and do it soon. Yep, let's do it. All right. Until next time, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again soon. And until next time, go ACC. Go ACC.